0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I'm thrilled to have Derek Kwa from Passion Blueprint at passionblueprint.com with us. Welcome, Derek.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Derek inspires and helps people overcome their fears and do what they love. And Derek, I would love it, and I know the audience would love it, if you share more about what you do as well as the journey that got you to Passion Blueprint with us?
1: Yeah, so with Passion Blueprint, as you mentioned, the idea is to inspire and motivate and help people to do what they love. I think the first step in that is really getting people to believe that it's possible. Right? I think what you know holds us back the most is that belief that you know, we can't do this. And so you know, with Passion Blueprint, I want to try and break that belief by showcasing stories of people who have done that for themselves
0: that's fabulous and is this a journey that you went on yourself did you have trouble believing in what you were doing (laughs) like i've always
1: been about kind of you know doing your own thing forging your own path you know i left school at 16 i've never had a full-time nine-to-five working for someone else so like it's kind of a core part of my identity and it's something i've always believed in and you know, looking at the people around me and seeing, you know, my friends struggle in jobs that they hate. It's been it's a message I've been wanting to spread for a long time. It's something I've believed in for a long time and since like twenty ten I've wanted to do something in that space. But, you know, always you know, all that self doubt that comes in launching something, you know, telling myself that I wasn't good enough, that there were so many other people in the space, I had nothing unique to provide. And it took you know, a while to get to the point where I was actually ready to take that dive, I guess.
0: When did you know that you were ready to take the dive? Was there a key moment where you just felt, aha, and I can do this?
1: It actually you know, mostly came about by circumstance. So in 2014 to 2015, I was running a marketing agency in Singapore with one of my friends here. And, you know, in around August last year, she got another job offer and she and, you know, I decided I didn't want to do the marketing agency on my own. And so, you know, just kind of figuring out what I could do next. And it just felt like, you know, now I finally felt like I could take the step to do something in this space, you know, with all the lessons I learned from the marketing agency from freelancing for that from kind of the lessons I've learned from um, my business coach Ishita Gupta as well as um, I was you know I was in the first cohort of Seth students Alt-MBA last July which did a lot of kind of you know pushing you out of your comfort zones and doing things to scare you and all of that and all of that kind of you know culminated at the same point where I completed the Auth MBA program about a week before my business partner left. And all just kind of came together to a point where it was just, like, okay, I think I can dive in now. And the fear is always still there, but you know, I've got to a point where I felt like I could take that step despite the fear.
0: You also played in professional poker tournaments. What <laughs> lessons would you say that you gained or learned from? playing in those poker tournaments that you have turned and applied in running your own businesses?
1: Oh, um, a lot actually. You know, poker to me poker kind of symbolizes life a lot. And I think one of the biggest things biggest lessons for me was dealing with those swings, right? In poker, there's always luck involved. There's always variance in the short term. And you know, but you kind of keep the faith of if you're a good player in the long run you'll win. And, you know, just Building that emotional strength, I guess, to deal with the downswings and not let that get you too much you know, when you lose whatever it is, like a $1,000, $2,000 in a day, to be like, okay, it's not the end of the world. There's always tomorrow. And you know, that kind of you know, learning to deal with when things don't go your way and be able to take a step back and take a breath and still continue on without losing track and losing focus. I think that's one of the biggest lessons.
0: And that's a huge lesson. I mean, how yeah. many entrepreneurs, especially those who are just getting started, can leave a day after losing a t- 1000 or $2,000 and not just panic and want to give up and throw up their hands and say, I'm through.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? And those feelings are always there.
0: I guess for me,
1: it's been more you know, learning to take small steps forward while, even while you're having those feelings. Right? And you learn and get better at kind of dancing with that feeling of wanting to give up and that fear because that's never fully going to go away.
0: So tell us about Passion Blueprint some more. You said you share inspiring stories. Is there any one particularly inspiring story that really sticks out in your mind?
1: The most recent episode I posted was with Rachel Peterson, who she was a hairstylist who became a social media strategist and now she's you know fully booked. Her work has been featured in like African Post, The Today Show, Cosmo, a bunch of these publications. You know, she's got a great energy and a great like positivity about her, so that was a really you know, fun and motivational interview to do. The other one is actually the one that's gonna go up at the start of November with Emily Kenway, who was an opera singer that left that world to work in non profits. And I think, you know, that's a really interesting story to me because like most people dream of being professional musicians and stuff and like going that other way I think it's really interesting and you know, to, to me it's really important to recognize that like, you know, the artist and entrepreneur and like self employment realm isn't necessarily for everyone. Like it's great but there's also nothing wrong with, you know, getting a job or a company that industry that you love doing work that has meaning to you.
0: Right. So as long as you're following your passion, that's what's most important. Yeah, absolutely. So Passion Blueprint is your podcast. And where can listeners find that? This is typically a question I would ask at the end, but I'm going to lead into more with this. But where can listeners find your podcast?
1: Right now, you can. the best way to find it is at passionblueprint.com. Um, I haven't put it up on iTunes and stuff yet, because mostly like I'm doing it as a soft launch and stuff and building up for now. Until I, you know, feel ready to put it on directories.
0: What did the whole launch process look like for you? I know we talked about this a little bit pre-show, but I, your story is very similar to mine. What did your launch process look like?
1: Yeah, so for me, you know, this has taken a few evolutions, right? So I started doing this initially. I started doing this kind of as a one-on-one coaching thing where I wanted to help people take that step out, but you know, I realized that there's a core piece of that belief that it's possible that needed to be changed before the strategy and action steps. So, you know, it evolved from the consultancy thing to wanting to do a podcast. And the podcast itself, it took was probably like six years six months, sorry, before I published, I recorded the first interview in January and it was it was a long process. The biggest hurdle for me was The editing aspect, mostly like the technical part I can do, like I know audio engineering and stuff, I can do that. But just the psychological aspect of, you know, listening to my own voice for half an hour was something that I struggled with for months and, you know, couldn't really get over. And eventually I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to outsource this to an editor to get it done.
0: I love it. And that was one of my first struggles, too. I didn't think I would ever listen to one of my episodes after recording it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I still have to really listen to a full episode of my own, I think.
0: (laughs) And and I I have actually listened to every episode now, only because I am actually still doing the editing of the transcribing to put them on a site. But it's been entertaining, to say the least, to listen to the episodes and reabsorb everything that the guests talked about, because I'm sure you understand when I say you're listening, but really sometimes, and I hate to say it because I'm, I'm getting better at this. Sometimes when you're just starting out, you're thinking about what you're going to say next rather than really listening. And that can go yeah. in so many conversations.
1: Yeah. It can, it can be tricky sometimes too. You know, that, that's a whole kind of art of interviewing, right? That. Yeah, well, I'm still trying to get better at myself.
0: Oh, I I think every podcaster is constantly trying to get better. And I, yeah. I can't even tell you how many ums and ahs I have decreased since I started. <laughs> and the listeners to all you listeners, you should be glad you don't have to listen to those, but I've noticed that the editing of those has significantly cut down. That's good. Yeah. And I
1: think that's actually, you know, one of the things about like, finding your passions, uh where Right, it's not just about doing things you enjoy, it's about doing things that you know you love enough to want to constantly improve at.
0: Oh, absolutely and and that you want to share with the world because it's not mm-hmm. just about us. Yeah. And you also mentioned that you do consulting. Is that consulting for Passion Blueprint and can you share more about that? Um so I mean I started
1: Passion Blueprint as kind of a one-on-one consultancy thing to you know, help individuals kind of create a strategic plan for the first step to take. But I've kind of scaled down on that right now. And the main goal is, you know, focusing on the podcast and growing that and, you know, kind of taking a different direction right now. Like, I'll still take one on one book if, you know, with the right clients and all, but it's not something I'm actually pursuing. It's and really so interesting with-
0: that yeah. you say with the right kind because developing and finding our niche is so important to growing the business that we're really passionate about. And without that knowing and without that developing, sometimes that can be really difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's that's all the biggest lessons I learned from when I was running the marketing agency. Right? Having that niche and how you position yourself, you know, the language you use, all of that is really important, right? even on like when we were doing the marketing agency, we went through like three completely different versions of our website within a year and a half because we just kept refining you know, the way we positioned ourselves and presented ourselves and who we were trying to speak to.
0: And I'm sure it had the marketing agency continued, then you would have been through another four revisions <laughs> of the website up till now. <laughs> Probably. Well, I think that every small business is an evolution because we are always realizing more and more about ourselves, more and more about our ideal clients and who we want to work with. And as you just said, I mean, you're scaling back from working one-on-one and that's a whole nother evolution of the business is realizing some of us realize that we don't want to be doing as much of the one-on-one work. We want to be serving a, a larger audience.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's about figuring out what works for you. And I think, right, the art is knowing when to stick and when to, you know, switch and pivot. Right. And I mean, it's something that I'm still improving on. But right, I think there's this almost whole belief these days where, you know, people always say, like, winners never quit and stuff. And, you know, one of, the biggest lessons I learned was from Seth Godin's book *The Dip*, where he talks about how you know winners quit all the time, like they quit fast and without remorse until you find the right you know dip to pursue, until you find the right thing to like push through the walls and barriers. And if you're hitting a dead end for whatever reason, if it's not connecting with you or you know whatever it is, right? If you hit a dead end, there's nothing wrong with switching paths.
0: Oh, absolutely. Sorry about that pause. I'll <laughs> I'll take that out. My microphone actually just fell off the stand. <laughs> no Positive productivity and not perfection. <laughs> yeah, Seth Godin is very interesting. I mean, he has himself yes. said yes. that he's had more failures than anybody that he knows, but he doesn't look at them as failures. He just looks at them as another opportunity that could have succeeded. But it didn't, and it's not the time to sit there and mope. It's the time to get up and keep on going.
1: Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, Seth, you know, Seth is one of the people that I admire the most. He was the first blogger I read. He is basically how I started out and everything. And, you know, that's, I think that's one thing that she does really well, right? Is being willing to do the things that might not work. And, to keep moving forward even if it doesn't work and that's you know always really tough because right especially when you're doing work that you love and you're connected with if it doesn't work out it gets you so much more and it's you know it's tough to not let that kind of spiral and to keep pushing on
0: oh absolutely i completely agree with that when you look back at the marketing agency, would you do it again? Or do you think you would move on to something else?
1: I have no regrets about doing it. You know, I think I learned a lot in those two years right, about sales, about putting myself out there, you know, breaking. It kind of broke a lot of mental barriers and fears for me in terms of like charging for work and putting yourself out there and reaching out to potential clients and dealing with that. Ejection and all of that. So, you know, it's a part of the journey. I have no regrets over it.
0: It's really interesting that you brought up charging. Were you undercharging drastically to try to bring clients in the door? Or uh-huh. what was your path that you took as far as charging went? It's been
1: plexus. right? And especially with the agency, like I had a business partner. So we kind of balanced each other out. I almost tend to lean towards being, like, personally, I'm kind of arrogant a lot of the time. So, I lean, I tend to lean towards, like, being completely willing to turn down a project if it's not, you know, worth it. But on the other hand, I also do a lot of free stuff for people in my personal circle who, you know, I consider friends and all. And, you know, that, it's a tough balance to make.
0: That is a tough balance, especially when our friends and family and close acquaintances come to us for help a lot and they do expect for free. But we have a full client load and our personal life is already really busy. How did you balance that?
1: After a certain point, you kind of get better at not, you know, agreeing to do too much free stuff for people. It really just comes with time and this and, you know, realizing that you just can't. I mean, I still, you know, it's something I still struggle with once in a while now. But, you know, you get better at it as time goes.
0: You get better at saying, here's yeah. my online scheduler link. You can make an appointment. And then, hey, if you want to hire me, I'll send the invoice.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all of these things kind of come with practice. And, and that's what builds up the confidence to say these things and to, Charge and pitch and all of that confidence, you
0: know it's a skill
1: that comes with tactics,
0: so you said you tend to be a little bit arrogant. Does that mean you have less fear of the word no?
1: not necessarily it really depends right like it really depends on why people are saying no, right People are saying no because like they think it's too expensive and all that, like a bunch of the time that's fine for me especially, you know, if it's not a client that I particularly feel connected with or like a project I really want to work on. But, you know, the flip side of that is right when you're more arrogant and you have more of that belief, when it's something you really want and you get the know, it, it hits you harder. And so, like, there's also more kind of security that comes with that.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah and see I I have struggled with worrying about the word no but my parents fortunately taught me that the the worst answer that you can receive is no so why not go for a yes anyways
1: Yeah you know that's a great lesson to learn and uh, it's but it's you know, it's tough to do right and the only way to really learn that is by getting more and more no's <laughs>
0: Well, I think a lot of my concern, and this is sort of embarrassing, is I often compared me asking a question after starting the business to me asking a boy in middle school or high school out on a date. You know, if I asked a boy out on a date and he said no, then I would have to worry about him knowing I liked him and his friends knowing I liked him and peer pressure and anything that came along with it. But that's not how it is in small business. That's not how it is in the entrepreneurship community. You ask somebody to be a guest on your podcast, and honestly, and I'm just using the podcast example because we're both in this community. Honestly, most of the time that you get a no, it's because their calendar is full. So, what's wrong with that? I mean, in in asking somebody to be a guest blogger on your blog or really any opportunity that you can be thinking of, there's not going to be any type of embarrassment, in my opinion, that goes along with that. And if there is any type of chances are, if they say no, they weren't your ideal guest or guest blogger or client or sponsorship opportunity in the first place, if there's going to be any type of derogatory response.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really, it's really kind of learning to acknowledge that, you know, a no isn't, it isn't personal, right? That it's, you know, maybe you're just not a good fit. People, you know, look for different things and it's not a personal thing against you.
0: Oh, absolutely. What type of personal and professional development do you do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis?
1: Not like nothing overly specific. I this year, I've been trying to read a bunch more and, you know, trying to read kind of a range of things that I would never read otherwise. So avoiding like typical business books and stuff and just reading like whatever, like a wide range of things that seem interesting. So, for example, the latest book I finished was on linguistics and like the evolution of language. And I think, you know, that's really important to expand. Your horizons on a personal level, you know, I'm a huge believer in kind of small consistent actions, and you know, doing things that scare you and involve that your of know, rejection, etc. Right. So, for example, for me now, in terms of building fashion blueprints, right, one of the one of the things I'm trying to do is to appear on podcasts like yours. So, emailing like three to five podcasters every week to pitch and you know offer to come on their show. And just kind of that consistent action, you know, I think trains you to not be afraid of rejection. It builds up that confidence and, you know, slowly breaks down those mental barriers to fear.
0: That's great. That's so what is something that you are consistently working on Besides becoming a guest, like what's the what's another big action you're taking right now for Passion Blueprint?
1: The biggest one is really like getting on other people's shows. That's probably like eighty percent of my current like marketing strategy. And beyond that, it's really just you know engaging with people and putting out constant consistent content. I should say more than constant consistency. I think is. Really important. So, you know, I'm trying to blog every week, and, you know, that forces you to, you know, pay attention to things around you and think of ideas every week and publish every week, which every time you click that publish button, there's a bit of fear of, you know, what if this blog post isn't good enough and all of that. And just kind of doing that week after week to build your internal like strength to deal with that fear, as well as you know i think it helps with audience building and stuff
0: is there a word count that you look for in every one of your articles
1: no i'm not really a believer in these in like fixed word counts and stuff like there are a lot of posts online right of kind of the perfect template for a blog posts, of like how many words the format like bullet points that kind of thing and you know i'm not really a believer in that approach right i think like that can work that builds you know that is obviously there because it gives results right and those templates are effective and it brings results in terms of building your audience right but it doesn't you know showcase your personality. it doesn't necessarily bring out who you are and I think those things are really important in terms of making an a deeper emotional connection and inspiring change and motivating people and all of that right that personal authenticity is what really you know connects with people and so you know if your goal is purely to build your audience then by all means, I think that, you know, following these templates and best practices and stuff is great, right? But if your goal is to basically create art, right, to create something that resonates with you, that represents you, and has, you know, your personality and your heart in it, you can't fit that into you know, a word count or any sort of templated format. And you have to just do what fits you.
0: I absolutely love and agree with every word that you just said. Because I have personally read tons of articles about how many words you should have in an article. But I am a believer in content or quality over quantity. Make it good even if it's only 400 words. Yeah. Make it mediocre or less than mediocre at 2,500 words.
1: Yeah, definitely. You look at someone like Jeff Gordon, his blog posts, some of his blog posts are like, what, like four lines. <laughs> but
0: And I have to it, admit, those are the ones I tend to read, because that's what I have time for. But yeah, the messages and those are, the ones
1: that are so incredible. awesome. When it's kind of to the point and sharp, that's when it hits you the most. Because it's kind of direct from what he feels and believes and thinks. And I think that's the most important part. It's you know, really putting yourself and your emotions and your heart and beliefs out there. And it's tough to do because right it's it's scarier to do. It's easier to follow templates and word counts and build mysticals because it's less personal and if it doesn't work out well and people don't like it, it's easier to shrug off. But you know that's where the challenge comes in, and you know, I think it's completely worthwhile to do it, but it's scary as hell.
0: So where do you find that you get a lot of your inspiration for your blog articles?
1: Um, mostly you know you just when you commit to writing, like every week or whatever it is, you start noticing things right first, and especially over time, your mind you know, get used to paying attention. For me, it's really mostly just things I notice day-to-day or think about could be from a post on one of the Facebook groups, it could be, you know, a line I heard from a TV show, whatever, or something I read in a book. You know, just whatever I think about it, I'm feeling. and am you, it.
0: How do you record your ideas if you're not in a place that you can write at the moment?
1: I just put everything on Google Keep. So I have Google Keep on my phone and you know whenever I have you know a thought or idea that I think is interesting enough I'll just put a couple of lines down and you know you develop it more when you have time to actually sit down and write.
0: I love it. Yeah, I have a notebook that I carry around with me but I'm I'm personally an Evernote user like if I'm yeah. in the car. Yeah. You know
1: Google Keep is just kind of simple enough and like Evernote has more, for me, Evernote has more complexity.
0: No, it definitely does, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's why I love just the simplicity of Google Keep.
0: I'm going to have to take a look. I honestly haven't used it yet. And you're right, Evernote is more complex. I mean, I I just want to go in and jot something down. Well, Derek, this has been a great chat. I've enjoyed it a lot. And I just want to ask you again, where can listeners find more about passion blueprint and get in touch with you and yeah just learn more
1: yeah so you can find the podcast at passionblueprint.com and you can connect with me personally at my personal blog which is at derrickquard.com
0: great that's d-e-r-r-i-c-k-k-w-a.com yep Fantastic. This will all be in the show notes and in the transcription for listeners. So please do not try to write it down or visit while you are driving. Well, Uh, Derek, thank you again. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great.
0: Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at TheKimSutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting TheKimSutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.